Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message from the Nichols Road Campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Awesome. Pastor Cameron, would you come and get ready? We're going to welcome Pastor Cameron for the message this morning. He's preaching about community groups and the idea of teamwork. This is the second week in that series, and we're going to... All right, sports stuff. Come on. <laughs> Let's get in the huddle here. <laughs> Who wants to, th- we got to throw the ball to somebody, right? Well, uh, we don't throw in the, in the building. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's expensive equipment up there, dude. Come on, you know that. I was totally unprepared for this. You're totally catching me off guard. <laughs> let's go, let's go. I'm ready. Boom. You got to call out like Blue 48. Set, huh, huh. Blue 48. Can we just throw it a little? Hey. Go long. Go long. There you can see how bad I am. Yeah, yeah, okay, 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 go for it. Go for it. He doesn't want to. <laughs> Took my ball. Come on. Okay, let's pray for you. <laughs> Before you preach this morning. I have no idea how to reel back after that. You totally caught me off guard, but I love it. Okay, God, would That's you what bless... what the game is about. Pastor Cameron this morning with all of his fiery football intensity and help our hearts hear what you have to say this morning in Jesus' name. Catching the opponent off guard. You did. That's what the game's about. I am off balance. Listen, there's only one place where success comes before work. It's in the dictionary. (laughs) Okay, most of you guys don't know this. Because I've kept it a secret. You know, it's kind of, I don't know, some people just don't know how to deal with it. But, you know, before I was a pastor, I was actually in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. I had a pretty good career. Uh, I, I went under a different name. So if you Google it, you won't, you won't find me. But <clears throat> <laughs> I was a little more in shape then, too, but, you know. Still, I can still probably outplay most of you. All right. Yeah, yeah. That was great. It was great. What, what team? Well, that's the thing. I, I kind of, I, I know they, they use the word free agent now, but I was kind of before the way they use it now. Back then, I just went to whatever team I felt needed what I had. So, you know, I'd go different teams, different weeks, different games, but I was there. You know, whatever team needed me. Yeah, yeah. So what what position? <laughs> That's probably my strongest my strongest part. Cuz I I really unlike most players, most players, you know, they're they're really good, they're a linebacker, they're a receiver, uh-huh, quarterback whatever, but I could play them all equally well. And so whatever team needed me, bam, I was there. I had what they needed. And so I could go back and forth between positions, whatever position needed to be played, I was there. And I was usually, you know, the most valuable player, at least on that. But, you know, if there was one position, you know, probably quarterback. At the time, I was probably the best quarterback in the, in the league. So, so, oh, my coach, my coach. But, you know, players need coaches. But, you know, I was kind of unique. You know, being a free agent, playing all the positions. I was co- kind of more like, I was like the coach's advisor. 
you know. So I would, I would instruct the coach, depending what a team I was playing with. I'd pull them aside, tell them, tell them the plays, tell them, tell them the strategy. And so, uh, yeah, yeah, that was my career. <laughs> and if you believe that, I got a bridge to sell you. Anybody actually play football? Mitch, Mitch, come here. He has scholarship to Ohio. <laughs> okay, Mitch, Mitch, here you go. Come, come a little closer. I can't throw that far. There you go. Have a football. <laughs> How many in the room believe what I just said? Zero. One guy. Because he's being nice. <laughs> Being part of the NFL but not being part of a team? Ludicrous. It doesn't work that way. If I actually believe that, yeah, you wouldn't just think I was crazy. You would know I was crazy. All right? Because you can't just do that. You can't just show up at a game and, and think you're going to play what position you play, whatever position I want. <laughs> not today, right? That's just not the way it works. But you know what? <sighs> There's this weird idea in Christianity that we can be part of the church, but not part of a church. What, what, where'd that come from? We can just bounce around. Show up wherever we want. Who's our pastor? I love it. <clears throat> Sometimes I'll be talking to them, usually preaching to them, trying to share the gospel. And, you know, one of the first things, oh, I'm a Christian. Oh, okay, yeah. And then, yeah, I go to church. <clears throat> I go to church, you know. Oh, I go to uh, Reformed Church. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the pastor's name there? Seriously, it works. Because, I mean, I can usually tell when they're, they're kind of faking it. And they, if they can't remember the pastor's name, I don't have to say anything else. Because they've just been busted. Right? They're not connected enough even to know the pastor's name. Right? And the idea here is that teamwork takes work, and it takes a team, and you need to work together. And it's so important in church. I mean, this is what we're, what we're fighting for is not just a goal or a trophy or a season championship, right? We're fighting for the salvation of souls, for the transformation of our community. And our captain is not just the leader of a team. He's the Lord of Lords. How much more important is it to be fully committed, fully vested, and fully participating? And so not being connected to a local church and actually being part of the team. And that's where today what we're talking about is community groups. Community groups are the team function, the team setup, the way teams work. And even on a, a football team, even though it's not that big of a group of people, you have the, you know, you have the uh, 
uh, defensive team, you have the offensive team, you have different parts of that team that play different uh, uh, parts of the game. In the same way, churches need to break down into smaller groups. And those groups, you need to be connected and do life together. That is the purpose of uh, community groups and the importance of it Uh, the illustration of of a football team or any sporting team, if you're not there on an ongoing basis, you're no good to the team. The team can't count on you, right? You have to show up for practice. You, You know, you don't just come to the games. And so that's the idea that I'm trying to communicate in my little illustration there. All right, you can go tell everyone. Pastor Cameron was an NFL star. <laughs> Acts 2.42. This is pretty well considered by uh, all scholars as a snapshot description of the early church. We get to see how the church was structured, what they emphasized. We're just going to touch on a, a few things here. It says they continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had uh, believed were together and had all things in common. And they began to sell their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So there's certain things that we want to pull out from here. One is that they did it day by day. All right, church in the first century, the early church, the church that that transformed the world and is continuing to transform the world. You realize that within 300 years, they had fundamentally transformed the entire Roman Empire, who at at that point had been the greatest world power ever known. Uh, They literally ruled the world. And Christianity, this ragtag group of, of nobodies, changed the culture of it where Christianity spread throughout the whole Roman Empire, even though for the first 100, almost 200 years, actually up to about 300, they were considered enemies and persecuted. But because they continued day by day, church is not you know, a weekend sport. It has to be integrated fully into your lives. And this idea is continually, <clears throat> uh, they met in the temple, and from house to house. And so what we see here is that the big gatherings and then the temple, where they met in the temple was um, called the court of the Gentiles because anyone could come in that had become a, uh, had become a Jew, but they were still Gentile by birth. They weren't allowed into the inner court. The court of the Gentiles and the temple in Jerusalem could hold easily 10,000 people. Okay, and so when you read in Acts with Peter uh, and John and James who were praying for people uh, um, and they were getting healed in Solomon's porch, there were thousands of people. And it was right within the temple complex and the Jewish priests could see while they were continuing their old tradition 
uh, of sacrifice, it could look over and see this crowd of thousands gathered around these uneducated fishermen and people being healed and transformed through what was happening over there. And that's one thing that led to the contention and the jealousy between the uh, Jewish leaders uh, against the church leaders because it was happening right there in front of their face. But here we see <clears throat> that weekend services uh, in the temple were equally as important from this verse as gathering house to house. And the way we do house to house in this congregation is community groups, which most churches have some form of small group. We call them community groups where we gather most all the time in, in people's houses. It's smaller groups where you can do life together. And it says they did it continually. And the, the Greek word there for continually doesn't just mean not stopping, okay, which it does. They continue. They didn't give up. They didn't quit. They didn't get halfway through the semester and stop coming to the small group. You know, as a church staff, <coughs> Bill and Marilee are doing a great job. They're the lead pastors now, and I was for a few years, <laughs> a few decades. <laughs> I remember every small group season, about halfway through, we'd have to have a meeting. How can we get people to keep going to the small groups? Because halfway through, people peter out. Hello? Not you guys. <laughs> yeah. Really? Like the first few weeks of a small group uh, uh, session, strong attendance, as you go through, and that's one reason why we shorten the length of the semesters. It used to be a full year. Uh, and we shortened it to make it easier. But you know what? It's not easy. Right? It takes what this Greek word can actually be translated courageous. They were courageous. They persevered day by day. And they were facing real opposition from the culture, from their families. They might have gotten fired from the job, but they prioritized meeting. What do we face? Distractions. Like there's a new Netflix series. Well, Netflix is kind of old now. There's a new Disney Plus series. Am I getting a little too personal here? Listen, you need to be devoted to this. They were devoted to this. This is what the church looked like. It was integrated into their life. Okay, you see the same dynamic throughout the New Testament and other scripture. It says, if you have, uh, have any encouragement from being united with Christ, now listen, I want to make it really clear, nobody gets saved by uh, just going to church and going to community groups. Hopefully, they'll get saved through that because in that context, they hear the gospel. But you're saved, you come to salvation personally, when you're united with Jesus Christ by confessing Jesus as Lord uh, with your mouth and believing in your heart that he died on the cross as payment for your sin and that God raised him from the dead. 
and you make that commitment to him to follow him, and then as a result, as an outworking of that commitment, you continue steadfastly worshiping with the rest of the believers and encouraging one another in small groups. Paul says, writing to the church in Philippi, says, if there's any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Holy Spirit, you know, if the, if the Holy Spirit is active in your midst, uh, if there's tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, <clears throat> but in humility consider others better than yourself. Each of you, you should look out not only for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. So if you were here last week, uh, you heard me talk about three essentials to healthy spiritual community. If you weren't here, we put the messages online and YouTube and all over the place. And so you can watch it if, you, if you're interested. <clears throat> but in this passage and, and throughout the New Testament, we see the same three elements of the essential ingredients for a community. One is the the interactive presence of Emmanuel, uh, of the Holy Spirit. And so right in this verse, if there's any fellowship with the Spirit, he's like, man, if the Holy Spirit is active in you, this should be happening. We see tender responses to, the, to weakness, that in the midst of this community, you should be caring for one another and, and being tender. And we see a deep level of uh, co- commitment, commitment, <clears throat> uh, uh, that there's um, the weak and the strong are doing life together. And we see that. Do nothing out of vain ambition, or, uh, out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but consider others, those who are weaker, more lowly, and look out for the needs of others. How are you going to know? Look around this room. Just take a look. How are you going to know what so- somebody needs? Yeah, we're all nice and neat and roast. Rows are excellent ways to communicate information based on the Greek method of education, the university, okay? Transformation of information is done very nicely in rows. But community happens best in circles when you get together and do life together. You can't know the needs of of other people in the congregation unless you you get to know them. You know, you do life and you have an opportunity to share. And so that's what community groups is really designed to do is provide an, uh, a, a, an avenue, a context for uh, you to get to know one another so that you can be the church as described in the New Testament. Ephesians talks about this in a similar way. It said, um, <clears throat> instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Jesus. Right? The goal of Christianity is to be Christ-like. All right? you, you, salvation is accomplished when you confess him as Lord, but sanctification takes the rest of your life, <laughs> okay? where you become more and more Christ-like. That means you put off the, the old nature, the way you normally do things, the way the world's taught you to do things, the way you learned them from your parents or whatever, and you put on Christ, all right? In every way, more and more like Christ, who is the head uh, of his body, the church. So it's talking about the church here. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing 
and full of love. Each and every one of you has your own special work. Say, I have my own special work. Now, there's something that you can do. There's something that you can provide that nobody else can. All right? And it's necessary. It's necessary. Jesus orchestrates congregations together. And when we learn this and apply it and do it consistently and courageously, the church grows grows stronger, grows, matures in spirituality, but also grows numerically as we get better in reaching others and in bringing them into relationship with Christ so that, so that they also can share in the life that Christ has given us. So it's absolutely necessary that you be connected. You know, uh, 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 every joint supplies... <clears throat> Uh, what the scripture says, the whole body fit together. I think it's in another translation. It says, every joint supplies. A joint is not one part. A joint is where two or more parts come together. Okay? And so you may be a really good, you know, femur. <laughs> but unless you're connected to the hip and the knee, it doesn't matter. All right? You're useless. You're a dog bone. is when you're connected and connections uh, require, they're complex and they, they have to move and be flexible and there's tendons and ligaments. You can read about that in the, in the, in the New Day newsletter. I wrote that. And so our small groups are, are made and intended, intentionally designed to produce transformation, not simply the transfer of information. And this is directly based on uh, a methodology that uh, John and Charles Wesley developed in the 1700s. Uh, how many have heard of the Wesleys? Good. If you haven't, you should do a little reading, church history. They, they literally <clears throat> transform the church as we know it. Um, they're both British and their initial work transformed the church in England, just radically transformed the whole society. Uh, towns, would, so many people we'd save that the, the bars and the brothels would just go out of business because there was no business. They didn't have to pass a law to make it illegal. They just went out of business because everyone was going to church instead of going to the bars. Really, this happened, and then it spread to the United States and uh, led to the Great Awakening and a transformation of our society because of the truths that were preached and practiced by the Wesleys and the early, what is what we now call the Methodist Church and the Wesleyan Church, but what, what we have now is a, you know, way disconnected from what was going on back in the 1700s and 1800s. But <clears throat> uh, uh, concerning their method of, uh, uh, of developing Christians, this is from a, a book uh, about them. It says, being a believer, this is what they taught, being a believer requires community and fellowship. We cannot live as if we are alone on an island and be Christian since faith is always communal. Right? <clears throat> faith is personal, but never private. That's how I, the way I say it. 
One aspect of our faith formation is participating in spiritual accountability groups. What Wesley taught and believed, and this is a quote, there's no personal holiness without social or communal holiness. You can't attain holiness apart from doing it with one another. Remember, I mentioned last week that the kingdom of God is not what you eat or drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And righteousness, peace, and joy can only be experienced in community. Okay, it's not like you can't be, if you're all alone and you're not interacting with anybody, you're not going to violate righteousness. You can't, unless it's something that violates yourself, and then you're breaking the relationship with yourself. It's still a relational aspect. Peace is not only the absence of conflict, you know, it's, it's the abundance of, 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 of everything God provides, right? That happens in community. Joy must be experienced in others. You can have contentment. You can have, you know, uh, a solace by, by yourself, but you can't experience joy without others, all right? And so the kingdom of God, I went ahead. How do you go back? How do you go back? Go back. Go back. There you go. Go back one more. There you go. <laughs> world is based on buttons. Quit pushing my buttons. <laughs> Where was I? I got distracted. <clears throat> Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. All right? And so it's the same idea of those three essentials. Holy Spirit, healthy relationship, tenderness uh, uh, toward one another, uh, and, and caring for one another, the weak and strong together. He continued on, holiness, um, for Wesley, living holy lives required believers to share their lives in intimate fellowship on a regular basis. Intimate fellowship on a regular basis. Uh, his development of small groups revolutionized. It was the small groups. It, every, most history books, most preachers, with the, when they reference uh, Wesley and other revivalists, talk about their big gatherings. They would gather 60... I'm sorry, uh, thousands of people, up to 100,000 people back in the late 1700s. No electricity, no paved roads. They'd show up by horse and buggy. Groups of up to 100,000 would hear the preaching, and, and, and thousands and thousands would get saved. But they taught that those salvations had to be integrated into an ongoing small groups. And what they found is that if... If they did a revival where, where there was massive salvations and they did not institute small groups, all of that change evaporated. The next time they'd come back to that region, there would be no evidence of any real change. But where they established churches and small, that met in small groups, and back then, the churches they, they started, you literally could not come to Sunday morning unless you had a ticket that you received when you went to your, your community group. At the community group, they gave you a ticket for coming. And then you had to show that ticket to get in church on Sunday. And if you didn't have that ticket, they wouldn't let you in. Wow. What do you think, Bill? Huh? Yeah, we're going to print tickets. But now, 
I've talked to pastors that have, that have really considered doing that. And I'm like, it, don't, man. It's not, it's not going to work. <laughs> we live in a different culture. But the value of it speaks a lot, doesn't it? The value of it speaks a lot. Because church in our day, we do it the opposite. We gather big crowds, and we hope that a small percentage or a good percentage of them turn up at small groups. And so we see the big crowd as the, the way to feed the small group ministry. And that's just developed for lots of reasons I don't have time to talk about. But the way it, 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 it worked in changing societies, not only our society, but the, the United Kingdom society was the other way around. That the small group is where transformation happened, and the weekend meeting was where they gathered to celebrate what was accomplished throughout the week. All right? And we need to get back to that, and that's the goal of how we're doing small groups. Um, uh, small groups <coughs> provided a framework to help people grow in holiness of heart and life. Small groups provided a context which seekers could receive support, accountability, and encouragement. This is especially concer uh, important concerning the evils of society. <laughs> they were really bad back in the 1700s. How about today? All right, and he basically set it up. Their whole uh, system was set up in, there were three levels, and the terms don't match today's terms, but I'm going to tell you, societies was what they called this. Sunday morning gatherings, church services, people setting in rows. That was actually part of the description. People would set in rows. There would be worship. There would be teaching. This was important. <clears throat> but then their, their smaller groups, they called classes, and that doesn't work in our setting because that means something different nowadays. But they emphasized they sat in circles, and it was <clears throat> a gathering of people who met weekly, about 10 to 12, around a dozen people, um, for spiritual growth, um, rules spe uh, specified the, uh, the basic process of asking questions. The, the core of the meeting was asking a question. Uh, and the subject was how each person's soul was doing, how they were prospering. And women were in leadership in these meetings. It was transformational uh, in the society. Um, in addition, <clears throat> there were people of diverse age, so they're multi-generational, and specifically different social standings and spiritual levels of maturity. Wesley wanted the classes to represent a cross-section of the church. So he intentionally designed it so the rich people wouldn't have their own like, small group, and the poor people wouldn't have their own small group, and the old people wouldn't have their own small group, and the young people would have their own small group. It's like, no, that's not going to work. We need people interacting, different levels. And that was really significant because in that day, there was even greater class division because the rich people had the poor people working for them as servants. All right? But in this setting, they sat in a room as equals. And it wasn't the rich person that was in charge. It might have been the poor person. And it just it went right down to... Uh, I. Um, restructuring how people saw their culture. And the class meetings, the small group meetings revolved 
not around the transfer of information, but around personal experiences, not, not uh, doctrine or, or, or teaching biblical information. And, and love was the goal, all right? And then the third level was uh, uh, actual, what we would call accountability groups. It was a voluntary thing. It wasn't required, but where uh, two or three people would gather together to really have um, uh, brutal honesty and share their deepest thing. And, and that's a, a deeper level. That's not, that goes a little a step beyond uh, 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 the community groups that we're going for. We do encourage that, though. And so the idea that transformation, not the transfer of information, is what community groups are intended for. Weekend uh, uh, Sunday services and other settings are geared for the transformation of information. That's important. We need to know doctrine. We need to know biblical truths. We need to know, you know, principles. But we need to gather and do life together. And that's what the goal of the small groups are. And this gets to this idea, cognitive thought, uh, and how that works in um, communication. <clears throat> Have you ever said something, and then the person looked at you like you were crazy? And then they said what you said back to you, and you were like, no, that's not what I mean. <laughs> All right. Last time I shared that was just uh, like a month ago. A guy in the room said, yeah, every time I talk. <laughs> all right there's a reason for this all right and also on the flip side <clears throat> feedback repeating word for word a portion or the complete thing that someone said to you especially if it's a difficult conversation is one of the best things you can do because that communicates it to them that you've heard them and that gives them to go deeper <clears throat> uh, opportunity to go deeper but most often what happens is we can have all kinds of wacky ideas going on in our brain. But when we have to put it into words, it forces us to engage our, our frontal cortex, okay, and our language center, okay? And, and it takes it out of the emotional center of the brain that can be thinking things that don't make sense. But they make sense because they're in our brain and we're repeating it. But once we say it, we go, wait a minute. That doesn't make any sense at all because it engages the other aspects of our brain, all right? Guess what? God designed it that way, all right? That when we talk to someone else about something, they help us understand ourselves better. And if we don't do that, you can go for years thinking something that's just chaotic and crazy, thinking you're an NFL player, <laughs> <laughs> all right and so this gathering together sharing what's going on in your life so that you can be accountable to others and also bring clarity to your life and your understanding is absolutely essential and, and what i just explained is neuroscience there's books written about it it's not just something i came up with <clears throat> but it was the principle that wesley was operating on and that we see in the new testament why it was so important for them to gather and be there and support one another. Andy Stanley is one of the most, um, uh, one of the best communicators. You may not agree with everything he says, but pretty much everyone agrees he says it really well. <laughs> and just two weeks ago, he taught this at his church. This is just an excerpt. The point is, when we started the church, um, I just come out of, we just come out of the most tumultuous, emotionally taxing season of our lives. 
And um, it had to do with my dad and me. And we were just at odds. I mean, like way at odds. I've written about this with his permission, you know, because we eventually worked that out and reconciled. But I mean, at the time, it was, it was bad. And of course, I was right. And I could not convince him he was wrong. I do not understand this. I mean, I'm a pretty, you know, and he was right and I was wrong. And you know how it is with the people you disagree with. Aren't you right? Of course you are. Of course you aren't, right? I mean, that's just human nature, right? So, I mean, I, I was angry and I was hurt and I was blaming and I was complaining. And the problem was, of course, I know all about forgiveness. I know I can't, you know, especially hold something against my dad. How ridiculous is that? I know all about, you know, take, re, claiming my slice of the blame pie. You know, what, I mean, I've taught all that stuff. I, I, I get all that. I know the sermons. You know what I needed? You know what we needed? I needed somebody to prod me to practice what I actually preach. And Sandra would tell you, we would tell you, in that season of our lives, do you know who came to the rescue? Our small group. We were in a group and they listened. <laughs> they, they, I'm telling you, they got us through. When I say they listened, they listened and listened and listened and listened and listened. And then they listened to the same stuff over and over and over and over and over because we just had one story to tell, you know, and they loved us and they pushed us and they held us together and they held us accountable. And maybe so much of what I'm doing now, we're doing now is because of their love for us in that difficult, difficult season. So here's my point. If you're gonna live this out, not if you're gonna believe it or be interested in it, if you're gonna live this out, walk this out, figure this out, work this out in your world, you're gonna need some people around you. You're gonna need some people who can help you figure it out. Here's why. Because as I say all the time, life is complicated. I mean, your situation, your circumstances are complicated. I make it sound easy. Just follow Jesus, see you next week. I mean, that's, you know, every week you feel like I'm preaching the same sermon. Just follow, I know, Andy, you say that all the time. Follow Jesus, I'll see you next week. And you leave thinking, Andy, that's easy for you to say. You don't understand my parents. You don't understand my marriage. You don't understand my business, my finances. You don't understand what I'm coming in, coming into, just walked out of. You don't understand my industry that I'm in and how we're struggling. You don't get it. And you're right. How could I? I live in a closet at the church. So of course, I could never help you figure out how to walk through and walk out the, you know, the teaching of Jesus in your personal life because I don't walk in your shoes. But you're not the first person. You're not the first Christian. And there are people who've been where you are and there are people who are where you are and you need, we need each other. This is an extra credit. This is essential to walking and talking and following Jesus. Again, people who can help you figure it out, sort it out. I chatted with the group about two months ago. I just ran into them. This is a group of married couples and they're all in blended families. And when they found each other, do you know how they felt? It was like, ah, finally someone who understands what it's like to parent in a blended family. When they found each other, it was so powerful. There's no way I could speak into that intelligently. They need each other. And when they found each other, it was like a breath of fresh air. And now they're figuring out how do you sort this out and walk this out in these particular unique circumstances. So yes, you have some difficult circumstances. And yes, I make it sound easy. But no, that's not an excuse not to engage and follow Jesus. 
And not only other people who are where you are, who are, who have been where you are, you're where you are. And one day you will have been where you are and God will use you in the life of other people, but not because you get to wear a microphone, but because you find a circle of people and you can say, I understand. So as much as I like talking to Rose, this can't be as far as it goes. If you're going to practice what Jesus preached, you need, I need, we all need a circle. And just the fact that he's using those terms means he's, he's been influenced. And I know, I know quite a bit. Actually, remember Georgian Banoff? Some of you old timers remember Georgian. Georgian and Charles Stanley, Andy's father, were really close. Uh, uh, Charles Stanley kind of uh, took Georgian under his wing. <clears throat> Georgian doesn't know Andy, but uh, anyway, that's a small thing. So I got to know the history. His philosophy of small groups is directly influenced by the same um, principles of Wesleyanism, right? And and it's a trans and 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 their church is very very effective in 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 leading thousands. It was one of the most uh, uh, influential churches in the nation. So <clears throat> we're also. Using uh, just happened. I didn't know Andy was teaching on this. Someone else actually sent me that clip, um, and it was just from two weeks ago. So I think he must have saw our sermon prep. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you sent him a memo. Anyway, <laughs> so real quickly, how are our small groups, our community groups, going to foster transformation? Uh, of course, the leaders of each group have a lot of flexibility to structure their groups in the way they want. Um, uh-huh. But the biggest thing, and, and there's some commonalities, and that's in the handout that we shared. You know, you're going to gather together. Um, there may be some talk about the previous sermon or a, a scripture verse, uh, some content along those lines. But the pivotal point, the actual point of it is where you answer, you respond. Each person responds to a question that in some way uh, communicates where their soul is, how they were doing spiritually. And, and one way that I encourage the leaders to ask the question is to have each person share from the previous week or two, since the last time the group met, either a thought, something that they were thinking, uh, something they experienced personally, or an action that they did that demonstrates where they are spiritually. Okay? Because you can say, well, I'm stuck. I feel like I'm stuck. That doesn't tell me anything. All right? But if you say, you know, every day uh, I got up and I didn't read my Bible once this past week. Well, that's some that's an experience. You didn't you didn't do that. You didn't do that action. I know I knew I was supposed to read my Bible, but every day this past was I haven't read my Bible every month. And so I just want to confess that. You know? And now and then the rest of the group, this is really key. It's not a group to provide counseling or instruction. If you're in the group, you say, oh, this is what you need to do. You need to get the Bible. Don't do that. You just need to understand, okay? And one of the things uh, uh, is that, uh, I think this is a slide, I'm going to say it. What is shared in the group, then, is the basis for what we 
What is shared is what is prayered. <laughs> what we share in the group is what we pray for that person. Because you have to understand it's the, it's the activity of the Holy Spirit, and you there support them. So it's maybe something you're thinking, man, I, was, I, was, I had this, I was at work, and my boss said this, and I just wanted to break his neck. Okay. Well, you didn't actually do that, did you? No, no, no. But you share. Well, where, what does that say about your soul? Well, I just can't, I can't, I'm not in control of my emotions when I'm at work. Oh, that I'll pray for you. Okay? That's getting down to a level of nitty-gritty that we need to in order to fulfill this uh, 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 level of, of bearing with one another to help one another um, prosper spiritually. And like Andy said, there's someone in the group that, that's been where you are, and they can say, I understand. Or what's super important is to realize you may be the one. This is your special work that you're bringing to the group. You can say, I've been there. I know what you're going through. Don't give up. You know, I'm praying for you. And then also, <clears throat> uh, uh, yeah, I actually do have that. That's fine. I skipped that. <clears throat> what is shared leads to what is prayered. <laughs> and I, 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 my goal is that this season we really start praying for one another. I'm encouraging the leaders to develop uh, some way to communicate prayer requests within the group. Now, we have a prayer at newdaycommunity.org. And it's specifically, if you send a prayer request to that, no one's going to contact you because it's confidential. It's shared with just people that pray for it. And so you don't have to worry about saying something and have people ask you. But in the, in the community groups, we actually want to foster uh, accountability. And so develop a, a, maybe a WhatsApp group or a Facebook Messenger group or an email group or a texting group. There's so many ways to do it. We have more ways to communicate than ever, yet people feel more isolated than ever. You know that. It's kind of weird, isn't it? I'll tell you why. It's because we're not actually meeting in a room face-to-face sharing real stuff. We think community is posting something and having somebody like it. It's not life, okay? And so in each community group, develop somehow to communicate prayer needs so that in the middle of the week, you can have an update. Hey, I just had a really good conversation with my boss. Thanks for praying for me. And everybody else can go, yay, celebrate that victory. And so you're actually developing community that changes. <clears throat> so prayer general, uh, really, really emphasizing um, prayer within the groups, along with sharing personal things. Now, I understand some of the people here in this congregation are not part of this church, you're just visiting, but these principles, these dynamics work everywhere. You know, get in a group of believers that you can do life together so that you can grow. Connect to a local church so that you can celebrate uh, and participate and, 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 and tackle the bigger goals and have a team of people that you're uh, working with and working, uh, going along the same path with. The last thing I just want to say is that community groups, and this is 
This is actually um, somewhat overlooked, but it's absolutely understood by everyone who studies how people get saved and how evangelism actually works. The more a, a person who's not a Christian or who's not attending church, they call those unchurched people, the more they interact with people that belong to a church before they come to a weekend service, the more likely they are to actually get saved if they're not saved and join a church. Okay? So inviting someone to your community group is one of the most effective ways of evangelism. All right? Because you know what? They see that you're real people. You know? And then when they do come to church, they're not walking into a room with 100, 150 people that they don't know. They walk in a room and there's like six people they already know. So they don't feel like an outsider. All right? See how that works? And you think, well, if someone's new in the group, so how are we going to share something intimate? Guess what? It just works. It does. You learn how to do it. And, and the groups are meant to be, you know, healthy, safe places. You're not going to share your most deepest, darkest secrets. No, that's a different level. It's a one-on-one, meeting with the pastor. But you share real stuff. And when people see that you're real, there's nothing more attractive in the world than uh, transparency and, uh, you know, uh, people being genuine, all right, authentic, authentic. And so this is just the context for us to do that. So I pray and I strongly encourage you to find a circle. Rows are great, but to grow spiritually, you need a circle. You need a group. And how do you do that? You sign up for a group. And then you be courageous like the early church, and you do it week in and week out. You don't stop. You know, the, the enemy, the only strategy the enemy has is to get you to give up because he cannot win. The devil cannot conquer you. He cannot defeat you. He cannot overcome you. But he can wear you down to where you give up. And you stop going and you pull back and then it becomes so uncomfortable to come back that you just don't. Ten years later you're left in a don't give up. Be like the early church. Be courageous. Bill, could you wrap this up? Thank you. I thought of it too late. I should have ambushed you with a football or something when I came back up. You should have <laughs> tackled me. Well, let's pray. Father God, thank you for this morning. Um, You've ministered to us. Hopefully our worship, our devotion has ministered to your heart as well, God. And now as we dismiss, we pray that um, our fellowship would minister to one another. Lord, that you would be glorified through the life of New Day Community Church, through our individual lives, Um, that we would find our needs met in you and through the relationships we have in this church family, and that we would meet the needs of others as you've called us to do so. In Jesus' name, amen.